0: Hi everyone, I'm Resham Arden and welcome to the Now I Know podcast where we educate our audience on well-being topics. With me today is Sonia Hunt from San Francisco, a global speaker, a best-selling author and coach. And I wanted to emphasize San Francisco because you're my first US guest, Sonia. So welcome. Yay! I am so honoured. <laughs> you are so, no, I'm privileged to have you. So I've been following you on LinkedIn and we've connected. You've also been on my friend's podcast, Tolu, and, you know, we've been engaging. So I was really, really interested in uh, interviewing you because I feel like we're both aligned, that like you really care about the well-being space. You've been through your own, you know, challenges in your life. And I just love what you're sharing. Um, but enough about what I've seen. I'd love you just to tell the audience who is Sonia Hunt.
1: Yes. Wow. How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> as long as you need it. Days about that. Um, you know, very great question. So uh, as you mentioned, you know, I am a health and wellness global speaker, bestselling author and a coach. I've also uh, had a very long and successful career uh, in Silicon Valley the last 25 years in tech. And, uh, you know, I can say that it's really been a journey of my life has kind of been a journey of really like finding myself and coming back to myself uh, with through health and well-being as a foundation. So my story kind of originates in when I was three years old, I was diagnosed with severe chronic conditions so that was severe food allergies, severe environmental allergies, and asthma, the trifecta that like nobody wants, and uh, very, very difficult for my immigrant parents who had come from India to the u s, had you know my siblings and I in the u s and they didn't even know people could be allergic to food, uh, so you know it was as a family, it was very difficult to get this diagnosis because throughout my life i would have many incidents right so i could eat something and have a reaction like hives or i could eat something and go into anaphylaxis which means that my throat was closing up i couldn't breathe and we're off to the er and and you know it's it's a very dire situation like a life and death situation so kind of having that be a part of my life really changed the trajectory of just who I was and how I lived my life and, um, and and really what I wanted you know to do with my life. And from a cultural standpoint, you know, we didn't really promote, my culture didn't promote speaking openly about what I was going through, how I felt, you know, my feelings, my thoughts, the struggles. And so all my life, I was really lived this duality to the outside world. I was like perfectly put together, right? Hair on point, eyebrows on fleek, you know? <laughs> but internally I was like dying, crumbling. Um, And so, you know, that was for decades and decades. And I took that really across all areas of my life until it all really blew up, you know, one day. And the blow up was a fourth anaphylaxis where I was on the ER table, almost dead again. And it was the worst incident I had because it left me with hives all over my body for a year, which I didn't know wow. even was possible, right? And um, and I think that, you know, being in the hospital for days in such an emergent situation and then hive, having hives for a year, I just hit rock bottom, you know? And I basically, had a decision to make which was either i'm going to continue to be on autopilot and live you know unconsciously right for decades i just followed what the doctors told me to do wasn't the best information but i just said they know better than i do what do i know or you have to really just say this is not how i want to live you know there're things i want to do in my life i have interests you know desires wishes dreams and And you have to go down another path that is very, very scary, right? because it's an empowerment path, and I felt like i didn't I had already been in Anaphylaxis four times. I wasn't a cat, I didn't have like nine lives, so I kind of thought, "What the hell, let's just go for it and that decision made in fear is what completely you know then transformed my life and and fast forward. Uh, you know, all of the work that I did not only improved my health because I eventually eliminated all of my food allergies, which is what my book is about, Amazing, but it also improved my career. You know, I catapulted up to a C-level. I've been a chief marketing officer in Silicon Valley for a long time. And and just my life, right? Uh, Like I saw my, my, I started to live consciously, right? I started to make conscious decisions about people in my life, things I wanted to do, what I was eating, what jobs I was taking. So today, that's what I help people with, you know, whether I do coaching or whether I'm speaking is really helping people to kind of stop and pause and go inward because everybody's stuck in this, what I call triangle of health, life, and career. And a lot of times we just push it on the side because we're like, we just got to keep going, 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 which is what I did until it blew up, right? It was crisis mode. And I had to stop and start getting unstuck and really figuring out how to maneuver through all of those because they're so tightly coupled. And, you know, and so when my book came out, and so, yeah, so it was very... I wrote the book primarily for myself to kind of like free myself of all this burden, but I also wrote it for every single person out there who only knew the word survival in their life. Like I did and never knew the word thrive. Right. Yes. And, and that is, you know, where my whole world is is I truly believe that everybody can thrive and it starts with that first decision, similar with what I made and and we can't do it alone. we need help right and and uh, so it's been quite a journey, you know, so when you ask who is Sonia Hunt, I think you know she's somebody who has been through a lot, has learned a lot, and is still learning, um but is really focused on helping people find themselves so that they can thrive and really live the life they want, which is very similar to the journey that I went through.
0: Oh, wow. What an amazing journey. You know, you said, you know, from survival to thrive, you know, one thing I noticed with especially immigrant families, like you said, they said, you know, you could you know, you couldn't even speak up. And they're just always in survival mode as well, isn't it? Our parents' generation. So like, when you have, a lot of people from immigrant families talk about just duality, isn't it? Every, in all parts of their lives. Um, so how did they support you in that journey of opening up and getting help? Cause it impacts them at home as well as, as you.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it, it was difficult because I had to first make the decision myself that I couldn't let anybody tell me otherwise, because for so many Decades, I had done it that way, right, and it wasn't benefiting me, so you know, I really just had to quiet the noise and say, "This is the decision with conviction that I've made, and uh you know my I'm the priority. We'll get to your feelings later right and And then it was a journey of kind of educating my you know parents because i'm first generation uh american my siblings and i so it was really educating them on the why i felt this way what i was dealing with what support i needed from them um and i have to say thankfully they were open i think that if i was like a child i wouldn't have been able to do that right uh and and rightfully so because i was diagnosed at such a young age they took over how you know, I was I was managing everything from a health and well-being and medical perspective along with my doctors. But because I was older, you know, when uh this fourth anaphylaxis had happened, I was able to kind of like not just ch- parent, you know, and child, but like friend to friend, have this conversation with my parents to say, you know, explain how important this was for me to have their partnership and support in this. And it was a real learning curve, you know, for them. Like there was a point where I was, when I left the emergency room, they sent me home with like a bag full of medication. I was taking like 30 pills a day. And those pills were giving me like brain fog and just all these side effects, you know, that you can imagine. And I remember saying to my mother, you know, having this conversation, I just said, you know, mom, I just, I feel like I'm going crazy. You know, like I I was back at work and people are like asking me things and my brain's like not functioning. And I'm just kind of sitting in meetings, you know, looking at people wide-eyed, but I'm, it's my team. I'm running the team. And I said, you know, I'm really scared about the effects of all this medication. And so, you know, she was the one who started talking about, I think we should look for, you know, a Ayurvedic, doctor, you know, does homeopathy. Um, And so, and that was kind of a real conversation, you know, of like, not just mother and child, but just like, you know, supportive relationship where she was listening to me, what I felt like maybe for the first time about my needs, right? Uh, And that was really beautiful because we did then find, you know, the right kind of help to, to get for me but but it was definitely a learning curve that I would say the my entire life with these health issues was a learning curve for them
0: yeah I really like how you said it was like friend to friend because that's like not lecturing isn't it it's like we're going on this journey together yeah. and supporting each other which I think is really really lovely yeah. um but you're you are like a you know top CEO in this company like you must be an amazing role model to so many individuals in Silicon Valley. So. Talk to me about your career. Like, what are you sort of role modeling in terms of the business side of things?
1: Yeah, you know, so having spent such a long time as a chief marketing officer, there's always like a ton of pressure and you have to push your team. uh, And, you know, the the old ways of authoritarian leadership, of seeing your team as transactions rather than human beings, it's done. I mean, if the last few years have showed us anything, it's that all of that blew up in our face, especially in Silicon Valley, where I feel like most of that is, um, you know, I am certified as a coach and I purposefully did that as well because I did not in my career have great leaders that I reported to I had very, very, very toxic leaders. And I feel like I was wrote down that one day if I became a leader, I don't want to do X, Y, Z, right? I want to do ABC. And so um, getting that you know, coaching certification, working on it, allowed me to see every person on my team as a human being with problems, wants, needs, and desires. And my job is to uh, understand what you know those problems, wants, needs, and desires are to remove their obstacles and to help them achieve their dreams. You know, I've had people say, well, Sonia, you know, one day I want your job. And I'm like, great, come and get it. And I can go move on to the next thing, right? (laughs) Let me help you get there. And so, especially on LinkedIn, I talk a lot about this, right? Um, As a speaker, I speak at corporations on just employee well-being. And that focus, I believe, is really about each person going inward and working on these inner skills that will give you the competitive edge going forward. Things like self-awareness, self-regulation, adaptability, resilience, empathy, right? All these have become superpowers more than the fact that you can code Java, right? Because AI is gonna be assisting with that as well. But these soft skills and how you relate to people and how you help them to thrive is the most difficult part, and we're just at the infancy of this kind of work, which is why I chose to do it kind of one-on-one coaching with people, and then speaking at corporations on how organizations can get around this. And um, so that work is really important to me because once upon a time, I do feel like I wasn't that leader, and You know, it goes back to that, like kind of doing things unconsciously. And I just kind of snapped it into place to say, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. And that's not what my team deserves. So let me go and do the work to be the best person for them that I can.
0: Amazing. I think I because you've been there and you also know what a bad leader looks like, you know, like you said, you wrote it down. It's exactly who I don't want to be. So if you've got any vacancies, let me know. I would love to come <laughs> work for you. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm that leader as well in the office. I really care about the well-being of my people. And soft skills, I think, are so underrated and they need to have more value in, in, in companies. And, you know, I run a workshop called sort of High Performing Teams, but it's all about if your people are happy and healthy, they'll perform you know it's your people that drive the revenues the people that drive performance so when you have leaders who are just caring about the numbers and the hours and the burn, they just it doesn't burnout doesn't bother them There's only you're right it's not going to last long these businesses that operate in that way um so if there is a leader listening that might be starting in in their journey and they're like what is the first step to um looking after my team's well-being what advice would you give them
1: yeah again great question you know there there's so much but i think you know leadership really needs to i think if they can make that first distinction between again like people as transactions what that means is also like employee numbers right i'm employee number 78910 right i'm a transaction right you don't know anything about me and my Problems, wants, needs, and desires, and why I'm here at the company, etc. I believe entire structure has to change. How we recruit for people, how we interview them and get to know them, and then how we manage them, right? When they're in um, the company itself, and from the top down, if you can start rethinking that. These are people that work for me to. These people are invested in the why of the company, the why of the product, the service, whatever you do. And they are partners that are helping me, CEO, to actually, you know, build this product, help, you know, the the, the company thrive and flourish. Now we're starting to make a shift in thinking, right? So it's it's not you work for me, it's, you know, we're partners in this because we're aligned or foundationally around why we're here, what we're doing, what value it's putting into the world. And, and each single person is a human being, right? That prov- has value and provides value in that process. But today, it's just about, I start, you know, I'm CEO, I started the company, you all work for me, your transaction with an employee number, and if you don't do what I say, then you're out of here. And and I think in the last few years, you know, rightfully so, this is why we had great resignation and quiet quitting and everything, because everybody said, you know what, nope, not working like that anymore. You don't care about me. You know, you've completely... Uh, had me work 24 seven, but look what a detriment is to my health now. And you've done nothing to help me along the process. I'm out of here. I'll find either somebody else that will treat me that way, or I'm going to start my own thing. Right.
0: Yeah. So, and that's all about your values, isn't it? What you're,
1: exactly. what you accept
0: in the workplace. Do you have any like leaders that don't agree with your vision um, about people first, well being first? You know, how do you overcome that?
1: I've probably worked for all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably all of my CEOs that I've worked for. You know, it's interesting because there are many leaders out there that uh, quietly will watch and and hear what you say. You know, I I speak a lot at very large organizations and um, the ones that invite me to come and speak, I think they are aligned with what I'm saying. And they're just stuck with how do we do it, right? And when I come and speak to corporations, I'm very focused on let me, let me teach you how the things that you can do to get unstuck and do this, right? Um, there are many companies out there, and I talk to them, where they are just like, you know, uh, this all sounds great, but like our people don't need it. And, you know, we'll talk to you next year or something. And, and that's somebody who's not in touch with their people. Right. Yeah. Because if you look at statistics just in the United States alone of you know health issues, everything from rise in chronic conditions to rise in, you know, autoimmune decision uh to, to just unhealthiness, um, it's it's more than a third now of Americans are unhealthy and unwell. And what I tell leaders is that's not some other group of people, that's your people. Yeah. Right. So you have to kind of stop and think about this, right? You want the business to thrive. The only way business can thrive is if your people thrive. So Absolutely. yeah, I think there there's a lot of work to do to, you know, I hate to say the word convince, but almost, you know, convince leaders that this is a must have, not a nice to have.
0: Yeah. And you, you know, you've experienced all this firsthand where you, you know, you're working, you're burning out, you know, and it's obviously affected your Your health, but you know, talk to me about in two thousand and eight when you had an incident and you, you know, really, really, that's when you really have to just, just have a check in with yourself. Talk about the incidents. I know you talk a lot about on the TED talk, but for our audience listening about you know your allergies and how you have to look after your health, give them a snippet of what happened in two thousand and eight for you
1: yeah so so the big breakthrough was, as a Chief Marketing Officer, one of the greatest tools that my team and I developed was a marketing playbook, right? Uh, and that is a playbook, like an actual physical book that's strategy of like, you know, with the product or the service that we are marketing. What's the strategy? Why are we doing it this way? What are we doing? So, we've got like a product here today, and we've got current state, and, and what's that future state, right? Um, is, it, is it, you know, a uh, billion dollars in revenue? And like, how do we get there? So, I started thinking to myself, you know, what if I actually created a well being playbook, right? And I utilize the same theory, but just with me as a product. Right. And there's a current state, and the current state, I wrote down bullet points of like, you know, okay, hives all over my body, these allergies, taking strong medication, feeling this way, kind of broke that up into the four areas of whole body health, which is like mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. And then I did an exercise of thinking of dream state outcome, right, which is uh, no allergies, no hives, right, being able to eat healthily, being able to age healthily. And so then it was a process of thinking of like, how do I get from current state to optimal state? What are all those little things that I can do on a daily basis? And then I went into massive like research mode along with, you know, the medical doctors I worked with. And I came up with the program, which is all uh, listed out in my book. Um, I wrapped it up in a wonderful little name called Three to Be. And I said, you know, there are three steps to be healthy, be safe and be well. Because that is when I, in the process of writing the book, I asked my parents, you know, what was like the wish that you had for your kids? And they came up with those three. They said, we always wanted our, you know, we were grateful if our kids were healthy. We always wanted them to be safe, right? They probably meant physical safety from no harm. But if you really layer that in, it's mental safety, emotional safety, and spiritual safety as well. And then they wanted their kids to prosper in life. And that's being well, right? So it all kind of was like coming together really nicely. And I created a well-being playbook, you know, where again, I looked at myself as a product that was in a negative current state that I wanted to get out of that. And I wanted it to thrive. And, and that process um, included a lot of testing different things in my body, you know, uh analyzing a lot of data and then tweaking the things that I was doing to see what was working. And this is what eventually all that work eventually led to um getting rid of my allergies. And I've been in remission now since twenty twenty. So I was knock on wood three years. Wow,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: And it was a it was a quite a intensive journey that I did, you know, while I was working. And today now I feel like, you know, I have four decades of experience to share with anybody you know that I work with on how they can kind of get there quicker okay. but um so yeah so I kind of used my day job applied it to myself from a health and well-being perspective and then helped myself thrive which was kind of ironic <laughs>
0: That's brilliant. It's like it was just meant to be, isn't it? All these skills from an engineering background, you've just applied to everything yourself. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So what does life look like now with no allergies compared to what were, Because did you ever feel fearful every time you were going out to eat?
1: I think like this big weight came off my shoulders, right? And uh, I, so once you do, you know, the way you know allergies are gone is through blood testing. So there's, there's skin testing, blood testing, component level blood testing, and then what they call an oral challenge. There's a lot when it comes to food allergies. The oral challenge is really the final, final test, which is, okay, Sonia, you're allergic to peanuts. Now let's eat a peanut and like watch what happens, which is very scary. Um, so I went through all of that. And I think the main thing for me was, you know, if and when I eat out at a restaurant, I always tell the the server that I used to have a severe, you know, food allergies, nuts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I always ask them questions like, you know, what oil do you use in your fryer or anything like that? And so I can still make decisions. I think the biggest um, burden that got lifted off is the cross-contamination. Right. Cause there's always, I feel yeah. like cross contamination restaurants. Now my body should be able to withstand if there is any of that. Um, but I have, you know, started eating some of the things I was allergic to. I just don't necessarily feel like all of a sudden you're going to find peanuts and tree nuts like me eating those every day. Cause I feel like yeah. I haven't had them since I was three. I don't really have an affinity for them. So um, yeah, yeah, there's just a big burden lifted that i can try things right and not be um as fearful uh once upon a time you know when i was eating outside of the house
0: yeah and i remember when i watched your ted talk and um something i never thought because i have um nut allergies uh, they're not like I won't get into going into shock or anything. I'll just come up with hives and I'll have to have an antihistamine. But I love the way Faye, you sort of said, I created a card with my picture on it and my allergies. And I just would never have thought of doing that. I thought it was such a great idea. Um, so since seeing that anyone I know with the allergy, I'm like, you've got to watch Sonia's TED Talk because she's made this card. You should do the same. But it was a really good idea. And I'm sure the restaurants appreciated it as well.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's funny because it was really my mom. And I think I wrote this in the book too, that she was complaining to me after one time where there was like an incident and she was like, you know, just because you remember everything doesn't mean that they do, you should write it down. And I was like, write it down. And so years later, I was like, oh, I should create this card. And and I love the card because it became my business card. And I had my allergies on one side and like 911, my parents' cell phone numbers. And then I had my photo on the back and it was like a beautiful glamor shot because I had fun with the card. (laughs) And so every place that I would go, I would give it to them. And the conversations that start when you hand someone a card like that, I mean, I feel like I have friends all over the world that are just like, oh my God, I'm also allergic to that. Or my wife is, or my daughter is. And then they look at the back photo and they were like, oh my God, love this photo. You know, I've had chefs that keep it in their restaurant. Because they're like, we take this seriously. We want to keep a copy when you come back in. Like, we know who you That's are. Et cetera. So it's a way that I say to humanize your situation. Again, as a marketer, I have always believed in humanized marketing. Mm-hmm. So I applied that again to myself, where I was like, I need to humanize my situation by educating people on what I'm going through. Because why would they know if I didn't talk to them? For years I didn't do that, but now I was on a different path, right? And that yeah. card was one of the biggest breakthroughs. And I would say like 99.9% of the people in the food allergy community never carry, uh, even still don't carry a food allergy card. Yeah.
0: Great idea. Since I've seen you, it's something I say, so guys, if you've got an allergy, check out Sonia's TED Talk. Um, And it's just, just, I think it's just a great way of looking at things. That's why you're so good at what you do, Sonia. Brilliant. Of itself, I've mentioned the TED Talk. Um, So talk to me about the TED Talk. How did that come about? How was it received? I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, uh, so it came about because somebody on that organizing committee knew of my brand, knew, you know, kind of what I was talking about. And that year's theme was redefining normal. So that was such a perfect, you know, fit um, for what I was speaking about. And uh, yeah, so they asked me to come and speak and uh, very nerve wracking. I never in my life, they, you know, they asked me, like, would you ever consider it? And I thought to myself, well, I've never considered it because I just thought it was out of reach in my life. Um, so, yes, very, very. Um, Nerve-wracking process, meaning like you're nervous, right? Getting up and and speaking on the TED stage, but uh, so well-received, so many people, uh, it's been viewed over a million times and um, it still today is an evergreen story because in the last, oddly enough, 40 years, there hasn't been that much uh, innovation in the food allergy space, which is so insane to even say that. But just like I said, these little things like allergy cards and and things that you can really do to humanize your situation and get other people to help, you know, which is what you really need. Um, there hasn't been that much innovation in it. So I feel like it's, it's an evergreen message. Um, the issues that I talked about in it are still there today. There's no cure for food allergies. The only way to deal with it is by not eating food you're allergic to and taking a lot of medication. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: But you, I know you talk about, a lot about the allergies in your book and obviously you've been through it. So for, talk, to, talk to us about your books as if they've got an allergy. Is it something that is definitely something they need to buy? Is it because you touch on the allergies in your book?
1: So my book is I would say it's really a story of empowerment. Right. It's a story of going from living, you know, going from being stuck to figuring things out because you become empowered. And going from living unconsciously to consciously. So, there are all these wonderful, cute, funny stories of my life, right? All the things I did wrong and how I learned from it. And I've created it in a, in a self help way, which the program is in there, like what I did, so that people can follow. And it's not just for the food, aller- you know, people with food allergies. It is, yes, it shares my story on food allergies. But if you actually read it through, you can apply any of those steps to anything you're struggling with, right? If you're struggling with with mental health issues, if you're struggling with, um, you know, uh, wanting to lose weight, anything like that. So you can apply that same system, right? As you were saying, I'm an engineer by degree. So to me, it was a systematic way to get healthy right and taking these small daily steps for big transformation so so yes it shares my personal story of food allergy but it's so much more than that
0: yeah brilliant we'll put the links in the show notes everyone can sort of access the books but just i think what you're doing is amazing a speaker an author it's just amazing it's never ending so you're doing so much for people in the workplace looking after them and doing these talks who supports you
1: Uh, Well, I do have an incredible uh, family and friends always around me. I always say I have, you know, the greatest people around me um, that that showed up on the doorstep of the hospital that day, you know, when I was in the ER, never left my side, were the ones that, you know, when we would be at a restaurant and if the server they felt like kind of didn't understand what I was talking about with my allergies. They're like, we're out of here, we're leaving, we're going to eat somewhere else. (laughs) So, you know, finding your true community that you feel comfortable to be vulnerable and open yourself to, um, and that was my doctors, that was my immediate family, that was, you know, friends, acquaintances became, you know, dear friends. So, yeah, I have an incredible, you know, very a community with a lot of depth that supports me on a daily basis um, as, as I give back to them.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a key message I like to say to the audience as well is if you're going through a tough time, like we can only thrive by getting help from people around us so that community is absolutely key like trying to find that community um, whether it's in the workplace or outside the workplace friends or you know third parties or therapists you know I think it's a a really great message that a lot of great people people don't realize they've all had help in some sort of way they don't do it on their own um I know we're talking about great leaders like yourself Sonia but what message would you say to a leader who's listening who doesn't uh, display any of the values you're talking about and it's all about just burnout and just results and not caring about their people, what message would you give to someone listening who isn't looking after the well-being of their people?
1: So I would say um, first start with yourself, right? This is the one life you get. I'm somebody who has been almost dead four times on an ER table. So I have, you know, I've had that lesson been thrown at me. But I never listened clearly until the fourth time, right? So first and foremost, like this is the time you get on this earth. So important that you, you know, step out of your day to day and figure out, you know, how you want to spend that time, what you want to do with it, what you want to put into the world and go inward and take care of yourself first so that you can lead in the right way. You can lead people in the right way. You can help remove their obstacles to their, you know, dreams. Because if you can't do this for yourself, you're never going to be able to do it for other people, right? And there are a lot of people out there that will try to sell you things. But I always say, you know, talk to people who've been through it, like myself, right? And, um, and, and see what they did. To kind of get to that transformation, so it's really about going inward for yourself first as a leader and you know f- taking those steps to have your own transformation in, in health and well being, and then being able to lead others in a different way, which will be a more conscious way.
0: Yeah, that's great. I really love how you've put that, and I think that's why you know how you talk about health, life, and career because. If you're burnt out at home, in the workplace, it affects your home, which then affects what it's just all intertwined, isn't it? Which is why I like, like the fact how you talk about it, like health, life and career. Um, but, oh, sorry, I just find you so inspirational, Sonia. I'm just lost for words. But, um, you know, so this podcast is called Now I Know about thriving in health, life and career. If you could rewind time, what would you go back and say to the younger Sonia before she starts her career?
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, the answers are really within. It's my journey. I will I will honestly say for decades, I didn't love myself. And it's so sad when I wrote those words in my book. And and I mean, it also makes me feel a little bit when I talk about that, right? Because, you know, there's there's so many things about me, for me to love, right? But for so long, I just feel like I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy. I didn't have value, all of that. And and then when I was sick over and over and over, it kind of, I felt like it was validating, right? So I would say back then, you know, to kind of look in the mirror and say, tell myself, right, that I am worthy. I am unique. I am, you know, love. I am deserving of all of that stuff. And and to really look within because, you know, your body is incredible. It's always telling you information, right? But unconsciously, we just keep moving or we allow other people to tell us what to do with our body, our health. And you know, like that gut feeling, you know, like sometimes you go against the gut feeling you have for many reasons. And so that's really what I would tell myself is that to quiet, all that noise and to really go inward and, and see this beautiful soul, you know, that has, you know, problems, wants, needs, dreams, you know, desires and, uh, and to go live the life that I want, right? Get the help, do the research, work on it every day, take the small steps, but don't be afraid because you feel like you're not worthy or you don't have value or anything like that. Because mm. in that fear in 2008 is where I found my power.
0: Sorry, that's really touching. <laughs> for my friend. But you know, one, one thing I've just sort of learned from you in the last sort of half an hour is, um, you know, like, you've just you really empowered yourself with knowledge to transform um and that's what you know i know we're t- talking about well-being in the workplace as well but i think leaders they need to start gaining that knowledge in, in terms of transforming their teams their people themselves um and like you said to those leaders who aren't doing this like your glass has to be so full before you can look after others so you're right just looking inwards is is so so key Um, and I think the message you're sending out there is amazing because we need to role model what good behavior looks like which is what you're doing so like our children and their children's children don't have the toxic leaders like we've all had in the past Um, so I'm just blown away by what you would say to your younger self it's so lovely Um, but Sonia what else would you like to say to the audience if there's something we've not covered today
1: no just you know I would say again like Take the time to do the work. It's so important. Um, and, and get this, the right support that you feel like you need, you know, don't be afraid to ask for it. You know, I'll go back to, you know, in the Indian culture, we are very closed off. We only share these intimate details in our own family and not even with other Indians. Right. So that my physical health issues you know because we did it that way it caused so much detriment to my mental health emotional health and spiritual health that i had to unwire right after gosh decades you know in 2008 when it all blew up i had to unwire all that stuff and it takes time right but just little little steps that's how i did it right just little steps every single day focused steps um And then, you know, you start feeling better about yourself because you are seeing improvement. Mm -hmm. And and I did this with a help, um, you know, because, yes, once upon a time, I was somebody who thought I could do everything myself. Not true. (laughs) I did get the help. I had coaches, I've had mentors, I've had doctors, I've had family, like you name it. You know, the more people that can help me, the faster I can thrive. Right. So just don't, waste time is what I would say, right? Time is so short, so precious and valuable. So do something for yourself today that is a tiny little step, but it helps you to improve, you know, what I call that whole body health, right? Your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health. Um, and, uh, and I'm always here to help, uh, you know, if, if you need it.
0: I love that. In terms of steps, um, there's a quote I use in my workshops. Um, it's by Martin Luther King Jr. He says, don't think of the whole staircase, just take the first step. Yes. And that's what I say to people when they want to transform. It's like, just, it's just that one little step each day. It's not the whole thing, because it goes it feels overwhelming, doesn't it? Um, and, I, you know, I did a talk in one of my episodes about, you know, our parents' generation, just that culture, we don't talk, we don't let anyone know, we put on that face and we're okay. And one thing I said to my parents was, what you don't understand is by sharing our stories, we're going to help others and heal others, you know, um, whereas they feel like that it's like it's bad to tell everyone what's going on. But really, the more you share what you've got going on, the more people are like, I'm going through the same thing. Like when you shared your allergies, now people are like, oh, my God, this will help my daughter. This will help this. So sharing our stories is the only way we can help others as well. And I think our parents generation are seeing that slowly when they see us sharing and we see us helping others. Um, but you're right it's like a generational thing as well we're trying to break some cycles you yeah know? yeah
1: um
0: but thank you so much Sonia for your time I really appreciate you. you having it and I'm going to send you a certificate to say the first U.S. Guest. <laughs> 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 but it. thank you so much um but just let the audience know how they can connect with you Sonia yes
1: of course well thank you so much for having me uh soniahunt.com S-O-N-I-A-H-U-N-T, and uh you can just Google, Sonia Hunt, uh, TED. My book is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and co- please connect on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook. It's all just Sonia Hunt, everywhere. And um, yeah, and and please like share your story. You know, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to help if I can. Um, and uh, no, thank you. That that quote for sure. You know, I love that quote, and and uh, it's it's exactly what. I did to get to you know where I am today. And and I'll say the last thing I'll say is that I it took me so long to get here, but I can actually say that I am thriving. So love it. Uh, You're living
0: and breathing yes. your brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Sonia. Uh, it is now your morning and our evening. So yeah. I will let you crack on with the rest of your day. But thank you for being my guest on this well-being podcast. And to the audience, thank you for listening.
1: Bye.